You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. all of this distorted guitar riffery uh i would much prefer to clear the sonic air with my own music if you please a little bit of harpsichord to brighten your day just like the presence of Dr. Ethan Wilde, PhD, is also a way to brighten your day. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. And thank you for listening and downloading Hit My Music. I am David Kincannon. As you heard, my guest this evening is none other than Dr. Ethan Wilde, PhD, from Camp Leapfrog and other places, various and sundry. Uh, we are here to talk about music, both the music of his life and the music of his career. So let's get started. Um, in my own life, I know that when I when I was a child, a lot of my musical taste started with what my parents listened to. Was that the same for you? And do you remember what your parents listened to? Uh, I do remember what my parents listened to, but I, I wouldn't go so far as to say there was a sonic influence okay. on my life. There's definitely a, a tactile ritual. So I, I do remember being very young and my family had a record player and, and I would also always enjoy evenings uh, sitting with my father and he would play various records. And uh, the one that stuck out to me is Jerry Lee Lewis' Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. And so from from harpsichord to piano, I suppose that uh, <laughs> there, there's there's the there's the lineage, uh, but I, I definitely have a distinct memory of of that. Um, I have distinct memories of being in my mom's car and she would listen to there's a lot of what we would call warm rock or soft rock. Um, spoiler alert! Huh? And, I was going to say that may, <laughs> that may come up a little later. Growing up, so there's there's moments in my uh, heart for say. Uh, uh, Paul Young's uh, "Every Time You Go Away," or sure. you know things like that that just that take me back to the 1988 Caprice classic with the <laughs> wood paneling and the yellow trim. The the big banana uh, is what that car was called. Oh, so so boy. those are those are my moments. But the the I wouldn't say that I have Paul Young in in any of my playlists, but I do have a very sizable record collection. And, and I deeply enjoy uh, the art, the feel, uh, the sound, the pops, even the skips occasionally of, of records. So I, I suppose that that uh, tactile influence is, is definitely a, a part of what's what my identity has become. Interesting. Um, I have a small vinyl collection. I used to have a larger one, but I had sold it off when I had sold my turntables mm. back in the, in the mid-2000s. Um, do you remember when you started making your own musical decisions? 
I was young. I, I do remember the very first tapes, cassettes, um, that I, I am of a generation for whom albums on cassette were uh, were, were a thing. And, and even sure. as I hear myself say that, I can I can see and feel those large plastic trays that, <laughs> that they would rest in. Ah, uh, yes, would, uh, that they would have to unlock with their little, their secret key behind the counter. The red key, yes. So I, I remember going to Tape World at the Florence, uh, Florence, Kentucky, Florence Mall. Um, maintained a remarkable education despite my regional upbringing, but, <laughs> but I went to, went to Tape World and the two albums were Bangles. Oh, I've, I'm going to get the ni- name of the album wrong. Uh, it's the album that Manic Monday was on. Um, something Room. It was that album. Ooh. It had the it had the one, uh, the one cover. I'm going to look that up real quick. Different Light. So it's Bangles Different Light, okay. and it was a Billy Idol compilation. Vital Idol. I think it was one of those moments where they realized that he didn't have a new album coming out, but he did have a radio hit. So they tried to monetize that. I remember Vital Idol well. Taking some mixes. So those were the first two cassettes that I owned as a child. The first two that I said, I would like to purchase these. Interesting. Interesting. So who do you consider your first favorite artist or band? Hmm. I would, I would say favorite artist. Um, Probably Motley Crue. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm sitting on my desk in front of me. I, I want to plug a book, not because uh, I'm being paid for it, but because I found it to be an excellent read, um, really quality journalism. And, and I, I like to encourage people to read. Put your phones down, um, close your laptops, open your minds and pick up a book. The title of the book is called Nothing But a Good Time. Uh, by Tom Bojor and Richard Bienstock. And it is the what they call it, the uncensored history of the 80s hard rock explosion. It was a really incredible trip down memory lane of, of a music that I grew up really being into, gave up fairly quickly um, in the 90s, and it suddenly became okay uh, to like it again, as you see Guns N' Roses selling out arenas. Sure. Um, even even today, and Motley Crue's lawyers looking for ways to get out of their permanent <laughs> retirement clause without activating any kind of penalties. Uh, it's it's not just okay, but it's welcome to um, have a good time to, to lean back on that title. So yeah, Motley Crue, and I think it was Doctor Feelgood. I saw the video with the the burning cars and Mick Mars looking like something inhuman but in a really cool leather top hat and i I just distinctly recall thinking i i like all of this and i I want it for myself fair enough i mean uh mick morris has always looked like something inhuman very true it's he's he's one of the most interesting looking human beings i've ever seen i think (laughs) he's always wearing a a tremendous amount of clothing um and i've pictured i don't know how much of the um the Song of Fire and Ice, or Song of Ice and Fire, I'm sorry, how much of that actual novel series you've read, but as um, Tyrion Greyjoy, Tyrion Lannister, oh, wow, 
Um, somebody's <laughs> somebody's going to hate, hate me on Twitter for getting that wrong. Theon Greyjoy, Tyrion Lannister. So Tyrion uh, Lannister contracts Greystale, it's Grayscale, uh, somewhere in the midst of uh, Book Five, Dance of Dragons, and. I, I it is, as soon as that happens in the book, I pictured Mick Mars because he actually he was dealing with. Um, there's no way that I'll get the clinical medical name of what his ailment is correct uh, without having to look it up. Yeah, but it's it's very similar to the the clinical diagnosis. So I, I read that in the book, and all of a sudden Tyrion Greyjoy became Mick Mars, which is also applicable because he's not a man of great stature. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So how did your uh, musical taste change as you got older? I mean, you talked about how you, mm-hmm. you sort of put the, the the hair metal behind you as you got into the 90s, as I think most people did, by, by either either by choice or by the fact that it just wasn't being made anymore. Yeah, um, it, 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 I think it evolved uh, at that point. I've always strayed away, uh, I, I think, from pop music that something that I developed early on is, is this assumption. And we'll, I think get to this later where a lot of the music that I've discovered now is things that an otherwise more open-minded Dr. Wild as a child, uh, Dr. Child, um, <laughs> would have, would have, would have already heard decades ago. Sure. Uh, but I think in terms of evolution, so hair rock became passe and everybody disliked it. And, and Nirvana, uh, Nirvana killed it, which is a comfortable narrative, but it's also not entirely it's accurate. Because um, as I recall, uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" was on the was on the charts around the same time as like "Firehouse" and "Slaughter's Biggest Hits." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, that is a convenient narrative that, it, but doesn't hold up of the scrutiny. And there is uh, just about the same time that "Nevermind" came out. Um, I, I have a personal grudge against Nevermind. I think it's one of the best records of all time. However, it came out roughly the same time as an album by a group called The Four Horsemen. Uh, Nobody said it was easy is the name of the record. And it's it's Southern Fly, Southern Fried Blues Rock and Roll. It's If the album was not heard by anybody, nothing in the world would have changed. Um, I should say if the album was heard by everybody, nothing sonically in the world would have changed because nobody heard the record. Right. Um, but it's a fantastic album. Um, Tired Wings, Rockin' Is My Business. Um, um, oh, what's the name of the last song? The soft one. I, I, I really like that one. Um, doesn't matter. Nobody said it was easy for a horseman <laughs> and nobody bought the record. And that uh, the band suffered this incredibly tragic trajectory after that i think one of the members took their own lives the singer uh had like alcohol induced toxic shock or drank too much and got into a car accident that left him in a coma just the worst story the worst outcome for a band that nobody's ever heard of Mm. and and their one um their one major label album which was on deaf american uh was such a good album too but again to i think to get back to your question Somewhere, somewhere in the mid '90s, uh, Dookie happened, sure. right? Uh, yep. And that's not a euphemism, but an album. <laughs> and and the moment that I heard that, um, I thought, "This is what I want to listen to." But I also can picture myself on my friends in my friends' room before that, years before that. And I had friends that introduced me to things like Seven Seconds or The Misfits, okay. uh, Minor Threat, kind of your your typical uh, 090 level punk rock bands right the same the same the same albums you could probably buy at tape world 
instead of having to go to your independent store. Sure. <clears throat> and I think at that point, the only one of those bands that did anything for me was Descendants. Uh, and okay. it was the, the bonus fat EP. And I think the first time I heard I Like Food, I thought it was really, it, it, look, it's not a, a heavily talented track, but there was something about it that I found catchy and, and amusing. And I listened to that. And eventually it slowly converted from hair rock, hard rock, glam rock to a little bit of early 90s alternative and a mix of, I think, what hard rock became. So it was no longer okay to like this hair rock, but Pantera was cool and White Zombie was cool. Right. Uh, Iron Maiden was still cool. So it was a little mix of that and some alternative. And then eventually it merged full into, I think by the time I was uh, like mid to late teen years, almost exclusively punk rock. And then that became kind of its own sonic progression. And I eschewed anything that was pop uh, at that point, <laughs> very consciously. Sure. Uh, so there was, ob- there was obviously an influence by people that you were around um, mm-hmm. that sort of spurred that on. Um, did that, did they push you in any other directions or did it was it pretty much just down that sort of punk and into that sort of like i uh, i guess not quite i I guess that's metal i guess yeah that that sort of direction no i think i think it's fair to include metal in there as well um you know and and i'm one of one of my many specialties is in the social sciences so I, i certainly appreciate and recognize and understand the influence of one's social milieu on on their identity right in this in this environment i wasn't going to go i wasn't going to pick up uh, a master p album spontaneously sure. and, and just check it out and say so what is it what is it about this uh that they want to make me say that i find so curious it, it just wasn't going to happen it was <laughs> hey hey check out check out this album and it's awesome it's it's you know, this new Sam Hain album or it's, you know, the youth of today or youth brigade, or I, I think about punk bands with youth in the title a lot because I wish that many of them were still touring. Come see, <laughs> come see, come see youth brigade and, and uh, youth brigade open for youth of today. And the mean age of everybody in the band is, you know, 57. Sure. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but to get directly to your question, it was, it was kind of a lot of punk rock. And I think the, that crossover that little dip your toes into metal that it was okay for punk kids to like sure so your mo- tendencies and... correct okay. correct st your motorheads um another ba- anthrax yeah um body count things like that sure well from i mean from anthrax then you could have gotten into public enemy which is true i did just listen to bring the noise uh not two days ago for the first time and i don't know how long um and it remains a tremendous song yes yes it does um i listened to i was listening to fear of a black planet about Mm. a week and a half ago um which also remains a tremendous album welcome to the terror dome is an absolute classic yeah so good so good uh do you remember the first concert that you went to I so I think it depends on concert. You know, I've I've been to hundreds upon hundreds of concerts in my sure. life, and and I think that the first one I have a distinct memory of, and this this definitely dates me, um, was Metallica, Danzig, and Suicidal Tendencies. 
Okay. At Riverbend, uh, which is just across the river from Kentucky and Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Um, if memory serves, uh, Chris Jericho wrote about attending this show in his, I think, his first autobiography, uh, A Lion's Tale. Um, and I remember reading that thinking, that was one of the first concerts I went to. <laughs> and I also remember that concert because it, it's a, an outdoor amphitheater. So you have seated the seated area uh, underneath cover and scaffolding holding up the cover. And then this large green space right. where you could buy the cheap mm-hmm. uh, the lawn tickets. Sit, sit wherever. Yeah, the lawn tickets. And we got seated tickets because we wanted to just go up close. I wanted to see Danzig and it was it was the it was Danzig when it was capital D Danzig. Um right. so it was Glenn Danzig, it was John Christ, Erie Vaughn, and Chuck Biscuits. So being able to see that era of Danzig before his ego took over and oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, ruins the band and committed criminal offenses like producing his own albums and <laughs> there there is i danzig danzig uh danzig is why i appreciate producers sure um listening to rick rubin produced albums rick rubin also produced the four horsemen record but he's done some of the best works by the band now known as the chicks he's done the best stuff by neil diamond mm-hmm. he was single-handedly responsible for resurrecting johnny cash's career i yep. won't say that's his best material because his whole life's work is is so outrageously good and and it made me appreciate the work that it takes for somebody to say you think this is good but let me actually make this better because maybe you're not in the best space to make those decisions and, and danzig showed us exactly excuse me what happens when you don't have somebody who says that so you've you've gone to a number of concerts um so that's 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 interesting metallica danzig and suicidal tendencies that would be that would be a really good show i would i'm assuming like 92 93 thereabouts it was i i will frame it this way i'll say danzig was excellent and suicidal tendencies was not good i think that they were they were promoting the art of rebellion um i think a good portion of their set was also some of the infectious grooves material which is is definitely for some people um it's not for me sure and it was before it was before they as a group went back to the self-titled possessed escape join the army era of and and really because they played some incredible shows once they rediscovered uh, their roots, but this that was not the case at this show. I really came to them um, when they did the re-recorded first album, Still Psych, when they did Still Psycho after mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. years. Yeah. That was my first kind of taste of them, and I loved it. Like, I immediately, I was like, oh, this is so good. This is, yeah. And, you know, I kind of went back, and yeah, you're right, There, there is sort of a dip there in the, in the early 90s. Um, Art of Rebellion, and there is one other record, um, around that time and I, I can't think of the name of it and well there's a reason for that yeah <laughs> fair enough uh, if i can't think of it there exactly exactly uh do you have any musical talents do you sing play an instrument i do not okay um it's not my you know i, I let my mind function in many ways and and i just never got around to learning um okay. i i did i got a bass when i was 
somewhat young. Um, it was problematic timing for myself in that I was really into the germs at that point. And Lorna Doom, you know, rest her soul, was not the most talented bass player. And, and I'll sure. offer that as a criticism that even even across the pantheon of, of possible bass players in punk rock stood out, <laughs> stood out for a, a relative lack of talent. Sure. So if you're listening to Richie Dagger's crime or forming, forming shutdown and sex boy, those three songs at the same time that you're trying to learn an instrument, you will never succeed. Uh, so I advise if, if there's musical interests in your future, dear listener, um, put the germs records away um <laughs> i i don't like rush but i would advocate you know priming your mind with getty <laughs> lee instead that that makes total sense uh do not try to sing like getty lee unless your voice is already in that in that range though mm, correct very difficult you'll blow it out and yes, then you'll be you blake schwarzenbach for the rest of your life <laughs> Okay. Uh, what music do you listen to now? I, I, I struggle with the idea that people will respond to this by saying, well, I, I listen to everything. Sure. Um, because I think that that's, it's a cop out. Um, but I will say that my musical tastes currently depend on, I think, mood, mood, need, and time of year. Okay. So, um, if my need is to be able to concentrate, I want to listen to something that is ambient. If and if I'm in a bad mood, that means I'm going to listen to, to something that will will you know keep me in that mood. Sure. You know, I, I, I as a listener, if I'm happy, I want to listen to something that enhances that. If I'm in a grumpy mood, I want something that validates that. So mm -hmm. if I'm if I want something that is say chill and lets me concentrate on my work but i'm really grumpy about something then i'll listen to some witch house so you know, like some sidewalks and skeletons um comes to mind as something i might listen to as i look at it the weather's been really nice lately so i've been delving into a little bit of ska and reggae nice. and ska ska being um a little bit of second wave so two-tone era okay. specials selector God. beat and so on um, but also discovering a lot of the reggae that um, I wasn't listening to when I was a punk kid because you're expected to listen to more Trojan, Trojan Records, rock steady uh, stuff. And instead, I've, I've probably listened to the song Chase the Devil by Max Romeo and the Upsetters nice. at least 15 or 20 times in the last month, as wow. well as, you know, some Lee Scratch Perry and, and you know, people in that ilk. Because sure. if, the, if the sun's up and I need something that is pleasant to drive to. It would be something like that. But at the same time, um, if, if I'm in a good mood and I want something that's more, let's say instrumental, uh, there's two seventies artists that I've kind of latched onto in, I think the last year or so. And one is a man by the name of Abdul El Omari as O M A R I. And he is the, he is a Moroccan, bachelor hairdresser and moroccan king of the organ uh, and those are not those are not uh, euphemisms that i'm deciding out of thin air that is if you look the man up he is the bachelor hairdresser and moroccan king of the organ <laughs> and and i i don't know 
a great deal about him, but he has his entire body of work is is three albums, uh, and the the titles are in French, uh, French and Arabic. So I, I will not do any uh, attempt to pronounce those because that will go poorly. Uh, but they are uh, Spring Nights, Spring Nights, and Summer Nights, and there's two volumes of the Summer Nights album, um, and it's just it's fabulous stuff to listen to. And the other, uh, Amar El Sharay, is Egyptian, so he's on the other side of the Northern African continent from Morocco, right. and he grew up. And what I read about him is he grew up and he wanted to be a composer, and his father. Uh, hated it. He wanted to do, get a professional job, but he was also blind and could not really work in a professional job mm. or, or anything, you know, kind of manual labor. And he ended up becoming a composer somewhat late in his life, I think starting in his, his 40s, and became one of Egypt's most popular musicians. Oh, and uh, I want to say, um, I'll look this up and we'll get his name get the uh, album correct but i want to say oriental music is this is from the 70s but it's it's i think his best known album uh but those 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 are two that i'm listening to a lot um i have a standard um i have standard workout playlists i have standard uh road trip playlists and both of those are a a good mixture of metal punk hip-hop and pop that really just helps kind of keep my mind active or keeps me motivated to go to the gym. I'm not listening to, yeah, I'm not listening to Moroccan electric organ from the seventies. If I'm working out. Sure. That totally makes sense. Uh, <laughs> do you have specific music for like, do you break it down by what you're doing in the gym? So if you're doing cardio, do you have a playlist for that? And if you're lifting, do you have a playlist for that? Mm. I, I have one playlist and it's, it's an absolute mess. It's, it's very, <laughs> it's very disorganized. Um, and I say that with somewhat guilt, okay. um, because I do like things. Uh, you know, I believe in, in the philosophy of mise en place as Bourdain would have described it in kitchen confidential. Sure. Um, and so for me, disorganized things are unpleasant things, but this list is, this is a catchy song. I can work out to this. Let me put it on a playlist. And so the function is I will play it on shuffle so okay. that I, I, I don't need, I don't need Pantera's walk to, and that's always the song that that's my, my reliable song. If I want to make fun of um, the workout that you need, you need that like walk on home boy as you're, as you're squeezing out that last bench press for sure. your PR. I will say I hit a PR once, a bench PR, while listening to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by <laughs> El- Elton John, which which is on my workout playlist. Nice. And and the sheer irony of, of the moment, right, that you're surrounded by, you know, sweaty guys that, you know, just walking around like cavemen, not what, you know, just unkempt and filthy everybody's wearing their <laughs> bodybuilding.com shirts to let you know that they know how to spend 75 dollars to get free sure. shipping and a free t-shirt at bodybuilding and and they're all listening to power trip and pantera and just you know, bro metal um <laughs> and and I, over here i am you know this boy's too young to be singing the blues and you know here it comes and and i i adore those moments as I'm looking at, at this playlist, just to give you a sample, I have uh, Sasha Banks theme is okay. eminently, it's eminently singable and it's a yes. good cardio mix. Yep. Um, 
Notorious B.I.G., Hypnotize, um, Peaches, Boys Want to Be Here, No FX, Laurie Myers, uh, Jessica Hernandez and the Deltas, Dead Brains, Ooh, Red Fang's Red Fang's Prehistoric Dog. Do you know Jessica Hernandez? I do. Ah, oh, she's her band is so good. I don't know yes. if she's still recording or not, but um, Secret Evil and Telephone were they're they're with they're with uh, the Four Horsemen. I don't think anybody's enough people have heard of them, right. but they have to listen to them. Yes, and then and then I go from Notorious B.I.G. to Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats to Action Bronson to Killing Joke to the Interrupters to Katy Perry. Nice, <laughs> and then Katy Perry to Ministry. So it's it's uh, that's that's a workout for me. That's that's awesome. I love I love. Um, I'm a big fan of playlists that have a lot of variety to them. So that's I mean I think that's great. It's it's rooted in uh, it's rooted in I think my desire for I I think it's it's twofold. So growing up and listening to a lot of punk rock and and I want to say that as as I aged in my adolescence that that punk rock came with a lot of snobbery. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it I, tends know, to. Absolutely. And so you start to play this this punk rock arms race where, oh, you like Descendants, but, you know, they're not punk. Um, the Exploited are. Uh, the Exploited. Oh, you like The Exploited. Well, eh, that's cool. But have you heard of Crass? Yeah. Oh, have, you know, Crass now. Oh, but what about, you know, Alice Rotten or Destroy or, you know, some, you know, some kind of crust punk, you know, your jeans, your jeans have the wrong patches. <laughs> sewn onto them sure. um, kind of agree but but consequently there's a great deal of music that I'm discovering let's say in the last decade um, and it'll be stuff like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road um, I've discovered how much I enjoy the B-52's first three albums mm-hmm. the entire album start to finish self-titled Wild Planet and Whammy maybe I think that's I th- um, think that's right and they're incredible records, and I think they're not just incredible records musically, um, but when you consider the time and the place, late seventies, uh, Savannah, Georgia, or Athens, yeah, Georgia, Athens, Georgia, um, for something like that sonically to come out of a small southern town in the midst of disco and soft rock, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 the same mechanism that makes you wonder what is the environment in which the talking heads occurred, for right. example? Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm, as I'm growing up, continuing to grow up still, I'm, I'm getting more and more of that. So one function is embracing those, those things that I would have overlooked in the past. Uh, and the other is uh, I, have, I have separate playlists for road trips. Mm-hmm. And for me, about that as well. Yeah. I, we can talk about that later. We can go right into it. Let's just talk about um, it now. Okay. So so I have, I've got a functional road trip playlist, and there is an important mechanism in my life that, say, Phil Collins exists for. Uh, I have my poison pills, and, and I think that they're an important part of a road trip pl- playlist for uh, camaraderie. So you've got four people in a car, and if you're on hour 13 of the drive, people are getting a little, a little tired, a little grumpy. But everybody wants to sing along to uh, Against All Lots, open parentheses, take a look at me now, close parentheses. <laughs> <clears throat> and if, if people don't want to listen to, say, Summer Breeze, uh, the Seals and Crofts version, not the typo negative sure. per, uh, cover, um, then you don't want them in your car at all. But there, those are important moments that if you're listening to 
what you might normally listen to on any any given day that ends in Y. Uh, you know, a Sisters of Mercy or Shannon and the Clams. I'm just kind of looking at like what might I normally listen to if I'm not on on a day trip. Royal Thunder, Graveyard, Red Fang, Kylesa, um, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, Summer Breeze comes on. That wakes you up, and that's very helpful at 3:15 in the morning when you're on the road back. And, and, you know, the, the coffee that you got from 7-Eleven that you just can't choke down because it's so terrible. Um, the, the, the heavy songs aren't going to do that for you, but the poison pills will. Right. You know, Con, Conway Twitty and Marty Robbins. Um, if your car is not singing Islands in the Stream at 3 o'clock. And, and so <laughs> the, the, the other part of that is everybody hates when you drive because they can't sleep. Right. <laughs> it's functional. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's That's... Oh, that's great. That's really great. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will be back on the other side to talk about music in wrestling. So look forward to that. We will be back shortly. See you soon. Okay, we are back on Hit My Music with Dr. Ethan Wilde, PhD. Um, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about uh, wrestling and music and how those things kind of come together. Um, so first off, when did you get into wrestling? Do you remember like what the first wrestling shows you watched were? Saturday morning, okay. uh, WWF Superstars. Sure, and, and I think that the. The the I distinctly remember the moment that I was hooked, and it wasn't necessarily what I was watching but I remember hearing my mother's voice who saw that I was watching wrestling on TV and she said what are you watching turn that expletive <laughs> off and that was when I knew that this was something I had to watch that sure. and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily defiance for its own sake it was thinking it, it was just now I was full of curiosity mm -hmm. what is this what is this thing that I'm being prohibited from participating in and and why um i think that the enjoyment of it came later but i definitely recall being told turn that turn that stuff off and i thought well now i've got to find out more about it and then as i found out more about it it was the, the reaction became i think what what so many other people um say that this is just something that they love the characters the stories the action the the mixture of it all I totally get that, um, especially the especially the sort of not not necessarily rebellion, but mm -hmm. curiosity because of prohibition. Um, and, right, and it's not the it's not the same parental logic that is saying why are you putting a fork in the electrical outlet? Right, right. There's there's a clear a clear rationale for why you're told not be told not to do that, or a clear rationale why you're told don't put your hand on the grill. Um, you know, basic psychology 101. It's, sure. it's, you know, the pain receptors will tell you not to do that. It's immediate right. positive reinforcement um, of the negative variety. But in this case, it was, this is a program. What what could be so harmful about this program? Right. Now I have to find out. And, well, that was a mistake, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly, I mean, it, it, depending on how you look at it, absolutely. 
Uh, do you have any particularly fond memories of any wrestler entrance themes? I, I've thought long and hard about this question, and, and I, I only have one answer, and that is Rick Derringer's theme for Demolition. Okay. Uh, I, I think it's 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 a it's a mixture of, I think the hard rock riffs that I was listening to at the time. It was I think going back to production, they it has that that thunderous that particular four four beat that it has like dun 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 dun. dun. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm doing it any favors at the moment, <laughs> but it it fits in with the I think the arena rock. It reminds me a lot of. Um, Wendy Williams from the Plasmatics. When she, when the Plasmatics stopped recording, she put out a solo album. I think it was just called Wendy Williams or Wow, uh, because that was a clever title. And when I first heard this song, "It's My Life," I knew that Gene Simmons produced that track. I didn't need to read that on the liner notes because it had that particular kind of. This is what arena rock sounds like dumbed down drum beats right. it's still a catchy song right it's not a complex song but it's catchy and and i think demolition kind of hits those same sonic notes that um i find very infectious and, and also lyrically i enjoy it you know yeah. walking disaster pain and destruction is uh, i've actually forgotten that I, our main yeah i don't remember it off the top of my head either um it, it's worth pointing out that i i find rick derringer to be underrated in terms of a producer um i think a lot of people you know they sort of think of him as a musician but like there yes. is some there is some really good production work that he's done and varied uh in terms of the type of music that he produces i mean he's you know he's obviously done a lot of the wrestling stuff he did a he did some of Weird Al's early work? No kidding. Yes, um, he he produced Eat It. Like that's that's incredible. Yes, absolutely. And that that's unarguably the song that made yep um, made Weird Al. Not yep. not he probably would have otherwise at some point, but oh, that was sure, the first. That was that was the breakthrough. That was the transcendent moment. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, and um, yeah. and he was he also produced the wrestling album. Um, I almost gave all of the credit to Dave Wolf on that, but mm. it was Dave Wolf and Rick Derringer. Yeah, Dave Wolf, aka Captain Chameleon. <laughs> Are you familiar with Captain Chameleon? Uh, vaguely. He um, so Dave Wolf is it's he's a white artist and he performed R and B tracks very kind of deliberate. AAVE sounding mm, okay. uh, soul tracks under the name Captain Chameleon. And, and I have a 12 inch single under that name. And the, the A side is grab them cake. So it's, it is the song that became junkyard dogs entrance theme in right. the, in the world wrestling federation. And it's completely unaltered. And the B side is, I want to say the song is called jive old foe. Oh, and so it's, it is what, was slightly altered lyrically Super became cool. Slick's entrance right. theme. Jive Soul Pro. Correctly. So slightly, slightly even more racist than Slick's theme <laughs> was as, as enjoyable of a track as it is. Like it's, it's pull, you know, unarguably pulling on racial tropes and archetypes of that time frame. Sure. Um, but he also produced with Rick Derringer, uh, the wrestling album. 
I don't think I was aware of that. Like I knew I knew Rick Derringer had worked on it. I didn't think that I didn't realize David Wolf had. Huh. Interesting. I don't know that he's done much since. Right. Right. Hmm. All right. Um do you have a favorite live music performance at a wrestling show? So I'm thinking in, you know, like mm-hmm. like Motorhead playing Triple H to the ring or uh, Salt and Peppa playing at WrestleMania 11 is the t- is the is the one that I always that always comes immediately to mind. I remember seeing I, I want to say Motorhead, not just because I adore them as artists and, and you know, thankfully had the pleasure of seeing them. I want to say at least half a dozen times live um, every time every time louder than before. And, and I think they, they had a, they had a, a live record and a shirt that they sold at their concerts for a while. And the, the back of the shirt, the front of the shirt was the same motorhead shirt. You've seen everybody wear for years. Sure. And the back said everything louder than everyone else, which I think became the name of a live release. Right. And um, as advertised, um, but, but in terms of motorheads, it was a WrestleMania performance, wasn't it? I believe so. What I appreciate that is the level of antipathy that Lemmy brought to the performance, that he couldn't be bothered to remember the lyrics to the song. Right. Um, And and I don't look at that as, oh, he's old and forgetful. I think I look at that as Lemmy just being Lemmy. That's his his approach to things. Um, But I I do want to give a special shout out to uh, WrestleMania five and run DMC. Oh. And and the principal reason for that is I remember the that when I saw WrestleMania 5, so what year was that? 89, 90? It would be 89. Um so at that point, Run DMC was certainly popular within the hip hop community. Um but they're they're at this point years past tougher than leather and and, and you know the the songs that made them popular, right? You know, it's it's tricky. Walk this way. Um, I'm I'm suddenly struggling to think of some of the better uh, Run DMC tracks. Um, rock box, sure. Uh, um, King King of Rock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're years past all of that, right. and and I think that was the first moment where I looked at pro wrestling and I thought, I don't know if this, I don't know if this organization has their thumb on what's popular right now Mm -hmm. this is this is a little dated um a good performance was the wrestlemania rap i think they even wrote their own track for the event um but it definitely stood out to me as wrestling is something that exists in a universe that is not always directly connected to pop culture sure at least contemporary pop culture yeah, so I'm I'm thinking I'm looking at that that their discography and yeah that's a, that's about six months before Back from Hell comes out, yes, which is a a more in your face record than what they had been doing before, um, but not really any not really that good. I mean, it's got pause on it, which is which was mm-hmm. kind of which is almost a novelty song. Um, the way in the way that it was presented, especially the video, um, you know, that sort of it was very much in that that dare mindset of of the early, of the late eighties and early nineties, you know, where yeah. we're gonna yeah. do these we're gonna do these anti drug songs and 
Um, and especially in 1990, when you're facing competition from the West Coast, from, you know, NWA and Ice-T, and they are definitely not doing uh, songs about how bad drugs are for you. Um, now they'll do songs about how bad the drug dealers are, maybe, but, you know, dope, man. But There is... Um... There's a lyric in Express Yourself. Yes, so there is. My old, my old correction. Is... So I, I was fine that Dr. Dre is the one that he has a lyric about how he doesn't smoke weed. And I, I think like I don't smoke weed is verbatim what he says. Um, and I, yeah, oh, shoot. What is the line? It's it's from I'm Express Yourself. I'm expressing with my full capabilities. They got me living in correctional facilities because Facility. some don't agree with how I do this. I get straight meditate like a Buddhist. Uh, oh, maybe that's not maybe your, that's your not knowledge. Worse. Your knowledge, at least here, is is far superior to mine. <laughs> but yes, there is definitely <laughs> there is definitely a word. There's definitely a line in there where he says that he doesn't smoke marijuana, which you know, three years later was hilarious. Right, as as is evident in the album cover. <laughs> yes, for the chronic. Let alone, you don't even have to open up nope. the, the CD. Nope, you just have you know you 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 could look at the spine of the cassette and say, what is the chron? Oh. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> so, so those would be my two my two live performances. Okay. I think um, I'll, I'll also give a special shout out to Mr. International Pitbull, um, <laughs> having having attended. Uh, I think that was WrestleMania 33. Um, a number of us were in Orlando at the time, and we attended WrestleMania 33. And and I will always be astonished that sitting in a single seat, except for you know, running here and there for 10 hours straight um, without exaggeration right. and being entertained throughout, not fading, not tiring, um, even sitting in the hot sun for hours. And, and Pitbull came and performed at just the right time. And uh, Green Light was the song. And I, I think that that's on my workout playlist. And every now and then I will listen to Green Light and Danger Twins Like a Champion. Um, so I, I suppose I'll have to give a nod to both of those as sure, well. That makes sense. Um, I did look up the lyrics. It's even if yellow makes it acapella, I still express, yo, I don't smoke weed or cess or cess. Yes. Right. Um, which, which is hilarious. Uh, and also not just because of the fact that, you know, he would then become famous for writing all sorts of marijuana raps. Uh, but in the third verse of that song, he, he says specifically, um, <laughs> Some, uh, shoot, where is it? I, I lost it because I was laughing. Um, or maybe it's in the second verse. Oh, yeah, in the second verse. Mm. Uh, some say no to drugs and take a stand, but after the show, they go looking for the dope man. Talking about rappers who don't, you know, mm -hmm. who, who are, you know, lie, lie about themselves on the mic and try and make oh, themselves absolutely. look better than they are. So that, that is definitely hilarious to me. Um, and at every time I listen to Express Yourself, I'm like, I'm like, boy, that that really just rings hollow all these years later. <laughs> uh, do you have thoughts on what makes a good entrance theme? I, I think that the components vary. Okay. Um, and I, I thought this a lot of this occurred to me as I was thinking, what are the themes that I like? And and it was really demolition was the one answer that there are right. moments there are moments that I like and it's the song is a vital component of that moment but it's not the song that necessarily makes the moment I think um, 
anticipation, anticipation, clarity, and the third item is making it very clear who this is in reference to. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something I'll say somewhat debatably um, is lost in a, a lot of wrestling currently. Uh, even going back to say the ruthless aggression era, and, and I, I look back at the ruthless aggression era with a specific thought on the music of the time. And if you go back and listen to those themes, um, even even those that existed prior, um, hardcore Hollies always sticks out to me as as among the funniest because my friends and I would joke all the time. So he has he has his song and it has the riff, the hook that you're accustomed to hearing. Um, the hook is a part of that announcement that this is hardcore Holly coming. If you listen to all of Kane or the undertaker that they have probably dozens of unique themes, but the notes are the same. The right. long, the, the, the note progression remains very similar. Kane's you have that kind of, um, I'm going to pretend like I understand musical notes and it'll be like <laughs> a, a D a G or in the opposite direction. So, you know, like low high, right. Uh, you know, low, lower, um, whether it's his original theme, whether it's slow chemical, whether it's anything down the line, it announces. So you immediately know from that hook, here's the person that I expect to see. And that creates the desire, the anticipation. If you hear a song or you hear a riff and it sounds like a dozen that you've heard before and you don't recognize it, you don't know who it is um, because it doesn't stand out. That's an important part of anticipation is lost. Um, Anticipation can also uh, to go back to Hardcore Holly. So in the in the mid two thousands, when they amended a lot of those themes, they would add an audio sample to the themes. So they had in, in Hardcore Holly's case that absolutely dreadful tinny. How do you like me now? And, right. the, and then the breakdown would happen, and it's impossible to mistake that for Kane. It's impossible to mistake that for Billy Kidman or anybody else. That it's his slogan. It's his brand, and it, it reminds me a lot of the um the ben cooper halloween costumes um it, it occurred to me very late in life i don't i don't recall if you're familiar with those these very cheaply made plastic <laughs> masks the cheaply made plastic masks with the vinyl smocks <laughs> yep and if you go back and look at those every single one of them um had the character on it so yep. you get the darth vader and it would look like darth vader's torso and mask and it would say Darth Vader mm -hmm. and have the Star Wars logo on it. And the same with Luke Skywalker, Garfield, Clown, whatever, whatever the character yep. was, um, Amon Chichi, Kid was, Video. You know, in, in 1983, I was Snoopy, and yep. it was a Snoopy mask and a, a blue smock that had Snoopy laying on top of his doghouse on it. Perfect. I, I remember that one. That's <laughs> tremendous. The um, so I, I listen to those themes and I think the announcement so those costumes exist for the houses of the people you're going to you know right, that so you're the, snoopy oh you're snoopy what a cute snoopy yep. you are you know so so that was the added benefit was it it was a learning curve for people who didn't know and so the the environment of the ideal wrestling song should bring somebody along for the ride it should build anticipation and excitement in people who are say the insiders in, in terms of this cultural milieu. So it's the familiar hook. It's Christian's countdown. It's Bob Holly's How Do You Like Me Now? Um, it's Kane's Explosion. It's Undertaker's Gong. Uh, it, it's even the 
the opening riff of say honky tonks man with the you know the, the piano slide right it's all of those things that create the anticipation i'm now excited to see the guy um and i think that there has to be a build is an important part of it as well um and when i say build i'll i'll go to the extreme example of where i think a bill a build excuse me is a bit too long and it's it's going to be heretical for me to say when cm punk was in ring of honor and he used the song miseria cantare um sing the sorrow in latin if you will right um by afi um the build-up in that song is about 90 seconds long and you can sustain people's anticipation for probably 15 seconds i think when it gets to be around 30 seconds um you start to lose that anticipation and and i'll remind you of a case where i think that we failed to do that um when we talk uh, about songs that i've used in the past sure. um later so building anticipation letting the person know who you are and 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 uniqueness i i quite honestly don't think that the song has to be good in any objective or subjective sense but it has to be memorable that makes that makes a lot of sense and that's really well put um and not not as much later as you think because we are actually going to talk about your entrance themes now perfect so i have a great segue i'm, yes. I'm very smart <laughs> You are very smart. That's why you have those three letters after your name. It's true. Um, okay, so let's talk about your what I would consider, I guess, your main entrance theme, which we heard mm -hmm. at the beginning of the episode, um, the, bar, the Bach Harpsichord Concerto. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of that right now. So what does that song mean to you? Or that piece, I guess, mm -hmm. not, not a song by the classical definition. I think that what, what I like most about it is that, again, it's, it's, it is me, right? I think of myself as a unique person. I think of myself as a refined, intelligent person. And, and this is what refined, intelligent people would listen to. Okay. Um, Good, good chamber music. Um, I, I deliberately f try to find something that had a harpsichord in it because I do like that. I love the sound that it makes as it, as it's plucked. Um, so, in terms of kind of overall classical overtures and, and chamber music, things like that, uh, I looked for a while. I was, um, I think, at the time that I was thinking about this song, I was listening to a great deal of Vivaldi and Dvorak, and um, if memory serves, I think Dvorak is one of Dvorak's pieces is what Walter has historically used. I believe that is correct. Um, and I thought that, you know, not that all of his collective works are, you know, belong to Walter, but I would say that that feels a little tag along and, and I didn't find anything that really felt um, right to me. Sure. Um, Vivaldi's, I love Vivaldi's seasons. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, you know, I said earlier, I listen to, say, ska or happier music when it's warm out. Uh, I was thinking about this music in the wintertime for sure. If I was listening to a lot of Vivaldi's seasons, it was probably wintertime. 
uh, at the time I was thinking about this. But um, I think it's Vivaldi's Winters, and people are very familiar with, say, the, the string instruments and right. that. And that was a little too fast. I didn't, you know, I, I don't anticipate being the kind of person that bursts through the curtain and runs to the ring. And, and I don't know that the combination of <laughs> of the violins and, you know, charging to the ring like the ultimate warrior might otherwise do is is necessarily an optimal uh, combination. And and so I eventually settled on this music. And, and to me, I thought, if you go to a wrestling show, you're going to hear... You know, if, if I were to ask you or ask any number of people, what are five songs that you would expect to hear at this event today? There there may be a, a lot of collective agreement as to what those top five are. Sure. But um, I'm sure somebody genre, will say down with the sickness. Genre wise. Yes. The the Waka 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 song. As, as I always <laughs> like, to, like to think that that's exactly how that song starts. Yeah. What would what would so, Fuzzy Bear sing? Correct. Absolutely. Down with the sickness. Um, there's going to be there's going to be rock. There's going to be hip hop. Um, and there's going to be much more rock, and there's going to be some hip hop. Yes. And and I think that one of my reasons for for wanting to get into wrestling in the first place was you know I'd see very few people showing up in in the academy. They wouldn't show up in the classroom. A lethargic society people aren't showing up to my classes and if they are, they're sleeping. If they're not sleeping, they're looking at their phones and they're too busy commenting on Facebook or swiping on Twinder, uh, whatever. Yes. Twinder is, is exactly the app that they're using. Um, and, and I think to myself, well, where, where would I go if I want to try to introduce class? And this was something that I wanted to do. So I thought, well, what an ideal combination. Um, as long as I'm here, at least add a little bit of culture to somebody's day. And, and so I think that's how we got, how I got to Bach. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Um, have you used, have, have you used any other themes? Not, not counting the stuff that we're going mm-hmm. to talk about in a little bit. I don't believe okay. so. so that's, I think that's pretty much been your solid go-to. Yeah. There's, I, I picked up a lot of good habits in my training and, and from being around um, some very wise people. Um, and one of them is to always have a USB drive mm. with your theme on it. Um, very smart. I, I think that there are promotions and if there aren't promotions that do this, there should be promotions that do this, that if you don't have your theme available, um, ready to hand off, then you get, you get the, you know, the, chicken dance I don't right know, the electric the electric no, slide yeah it's sort um, of the equivalent of going to the rainbow room and not having a jacket and tie on and so they give you something that looks really garish absolutely so that you're the so that you're made a fool of basically like the rainbow room like the rock club in la no the red the uh the fancy the fancy restaurant at the top of rockefeller center Aha, I see. I see. My misunderstanding. That's I say, right. I've, I've I've been to the Rainbow and they did not give me a jacket. No, yes. Um, Sorry. The, yes, the, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 very expensive restaurant at the top of at the top of the Rock, as they say. Aha. At the top uh-huh. of Thirty Rock. Sure. Oh, yeah. So okay. So before the world, the wrestling world knew who Ethan Wilde was, you did have some time spent, I don't know, maybe you were trying to find yourself, but you were previously known as Roger Dunnell. Correct. 
Uh, you were part of a tag team called AM Gold with Dewey Kimball. Um, and can you can you give can you give the listeners maybe for those who aren't familiar with AM Gold maybe just a brief rundown of who AM Gold was and who Roger Dunnell was? I don't know that I ever got a firm grasp grasp on that to okay. be quite honest. The, uh, the the I think the principle was um, I think so we were a tag team and we were both rather brawny tattooed guys you know strong boys uh, so to speak in the in the colloquial vernacular of a locker room sure and but the idea was that you would package us uh, package us us as um these these yacht rock soft rock kind of simon and garfunkel-esque um simon and garfunkel aesthetic uh with say like a doobie brothers sound okay and and the juxtaposition of these two very relaxed chill smooth you know, you listen to AM radio and, and you hear something like you're listening to WPHL and coming up next is Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede. And just before that, you heard Pablo Cruz with I'm Drinking on My Boat. And it, like, that kind of <laughs> audio environment, right? That sure. feeling of relaxation that would otherwise bring to you is, is how we might speak. And so then we go into matches and the dichotomy is that the bell rings and then it's more like the acolytes. Okay. So, so that that gear shift that that's pretty good. Again, the, the juxtaposition is how I might describe it, and the most succinct way, um, despite my endeavor to never be succinct, that I can describe it is that it's very much based off of a pun um, that we were colloquially referred to as the soft rockers, right? So, you know, <laughs> which is self-explanatory. Yes, I like it. I like it. So let's listen to uh, one of those themes. This, this is from this is the AM Gold That's theme. A world debut. You are the one who makes me wanna see. So, who do you know who is responsible for those song for that song? Harlan. Um, uh, uh, you played the version with the lyrics, so right. not not just Harlan. So uh, Dewey and I spent some time thinking about the, you know, what would we wear when we wrestled? What would our names be? And, you know, initially we're given, given a directive, which is um, watch this YouTube series called Yacht Rock. Yes. And and that's that's the vibe that I would like to see. And we thought, okay, so we watched it, uh, we laughed heartily, and we thought, okay, I think we get it. Let's, we'll dress like Yacht Rock guys. So it was, I think, blue, uh, not, I'm sorry, not blue jeans, but like white jeans, white jeans. Um, we had a bunch of Hawaiian shirts, which I think were probably okay at the time. I think current cultural events make wearing Hawaiian shirts kind of verboten, at yeah. least as far as my, my personal level of comfort. Sure. And so that was the look and, and tinted, tinted glasses, very, you know, gorilla monsoon style, blue lenses and right. red lenses. That was the look. Uh, and then I, I'd begun to, uh, teach myself to play guitar but uh, you know, unfortunately, going back to Lorna Doom had right. doomed me, so to speak, from from ever succeeding at playing anything instrumentally. But I thought, well, let's let's try to learn. Um, I a combination to both Dewey and I, I believe, wrote 
or I wrote and he proofread and, and made some suggestions on the lyrics. So when you play the version with the lyrics, all of my all of my self-consciousness wells to the top oh. because I'm a major contributing factor. <laughs> if, if this was just a song that I thought, here's your song, um, that's fine. But it, but in hindsight, it's it's also clever. Like I think if you listen to the lyrics, they're you know they sound like you know Yamo B there or, or some you know Michael McDonald classic. But right. the lyrics are very much you know we're gonna beat you up and we're gonna knock you unconscious. Right. That's pretty good. I like it. I like it. Um, and you also, as you you mentioned it earlier, uh, you have also used hooked on a feeling. As yes. Roger Donald, correct. Correct. And the, we did that on, I think a couple shows that I I don't know that they made it to tape. Um, And that was a moment where I think you're, you're thrown together very quickly and it's, you know, Hey, you have a match in 20 minutes. What's your song? Mm -hmm. And you start to scroll, uh, scroll a bunch of yacht rock and and you think, well, this, this is, this is catchy. I've seen guardians of the galaxy. This is great. Right. And when you're new, when you're young and earnest and, any any audience or lack thereof is causing you grievous levels of anxiety and you're standing there waiting for that moment when is the moment that wrestlers think incredibly long when is the correct instant i step through that curtain and make my presence felt um and hooked on a feeling the entrance to that song before they get to the first chorus and then you hear the drums that kind of kick the song in and we both agreed that was the moment Right, that that sure. thump thump. Yep, and that's about forty-two seconds into the song. There's a lot of Uga Chaka in there. There, it is. It is seventy-three minutes of of Uga Chaka. <laughs> if if you're waiting to go out for say oh, your f- fourth or fifth match ever, I'll bet. Um, so that's that that did not last long for that reason. I'm that totally ma- that makes so much sense. Um, I'm trying to think the so, so the Blue Sweet version is a cover of um, oh I'm blanking on his name. Dang it, the guy who sang uh, B J Thomas. It was originally a mm. B J Thomas song. I don't think it had the Uga Chakas, but I also don't know that the drums hit as hard. So I don't know that that would have been a solution. Uh, this it's not a name that I'm familiar with. He's responsible mm. for raindrops keep falling on my head. I that seems so. that seems a little too soft. Yeah, uh, even for the soft rockers. Uh, huh. I, I I will give that a listen. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of songs that I think I didn't realize until uh, much much later were covers. And there was something recently that I had heard that was um, was the case, and I I can't remember what that is. But that's, again, growing up listening to a lot of punk rock and you hear something once on the radio and it's, you know, the Bengals' Hazy Shade of Winter. Um, that's a recent example that will come to mind because we were we were at home uh, convinced that the original was the Mamas and the Papas. Oh. It's not. But it's, it's a little, it felt like Berenstain Bear Theory. Right. In terms of wait, what do you mean it wasn't the Mamas and the Papas? It was right. Simon and Garfunkel. Right. But we were convinced for years, no, this is this is a Mamas and Papas track. Hmm. Interesting. I do remember it being a Simon and Garfunkel because my dad is a huge Simon and Garfunkel. Aha, uh-huh. so, yes. Um... The One of the earliest iterations of what became 
AM gold or the soft rockers is what they were overtly called at the time. And this was, this was not a directive. This was a, you know, part of your training. Let's have a training day, but we're going to treat it like a show day. So you mimic the rituals, you mimic the setup, the breakdown, how things are run. Um, you know, there's no stopping just to say, let's, let's start over or none of that. It is, you are, you are putting together a show from start to finish. And one of the earlier iterations of the soft rockers was Dewey um, and another wrestler. And I believe the names that they were given were, one was Bart Turnbuckle. And, and I can't remember, I can't remember. Bart, Bart Turnbuckle was, I think the other guy. And unfortunately I can't remember Dewey's uh, original name. It was, it was, you know, a Paul Simon play on words and right if he when he hears this i will i won't hear the end of this <laughs> okay uh so that sort of brings us to the end of that there is one final question that i have this is the final question for every episode and i call it the tony khan proposition so if money and rights were absolutely no object mm-hmm. what would be your dream entrance song my dream entrance. Hmm. Are you already using it? Maybe. I don't know that I have to think in terms of ASCAP rights. Sure. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, yeah. I, I don't know that. Unfortunately, I don't know that I can answer the question. No, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with what I have. Sure. And I think uh, if I, if I were to change it, um, if I were to acknowledge, say, that there was something that I would prefer better that is suggesting that I think my current musical selection is deficient in some way, and, and I'm I'm not prepared to make that claim just yet. Um, totally there's there's no, sense. there's no, um, I have to, we have, uh, you know, just a few hours until Donda is released, right? Uh, supposedly. In theory. In theory. So... We'll see, because I because I, I heard that story two I heard that story last week, and I heard that story two weeks ago. Aha, aha. Well, so I have no interest in that. Um, again, I think this goes back to part of the reason that I selected the the harpsichord concerto, and and to be specific, it's the allegro. Uh, let's sure. not be <clears throat> any other way, but proper about it. Absolutely. Is 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 a, is making sure that we're introducing some element of culture into a wrestling show that is otherwise largely deprived of refinement. Um, most, most incredible composers are long since passed, so they're yes. not going to come after me. Uh, they don't have say, um, you know, rights holders that would come after me. Right. Uh, the the if, estate of J.S. Bach does not seem to be banging down doors. Yes. And, and certainly when I think of artists that, do license their tracks out of their, their family's estates. I think of Johnny Cash for Chili's or the things of that way that, that kind of blaspheme the relevance of, of those artists. Sure. And, you know, I am certainly far greater than a plate of riblets, um, but I'm otherwise very content with what I have at the moment. Sorry. I had to, I had to step away from the mic for a second when you, greater than a plate of riblets yes absolutely uh i don't believe i have ever heard anybody describe themselves better (laughs) 
So on that note, I am going to thank Dr. Ethan Wilde, PhD, for coming on Hit My Music. It has been an absolute pleasure. Why don't you tell the people who are listening where they can find you? You can find me in the Academy teaching the miscreants uh, what they don't already know, which is quite a lot. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, be prepared to be less than enthralled, uh, at Ethan Wilde Pro. Um, I prefer to do my talking in the ring rather than online. Um, I am the current Camp Athletic Commissioner at Camp Leapfrog, which I hope that you're watching uh, because I do get a cut of every ticket sold and every every bit of Jerry.tv money that Camp Leapfrog is afforded. Uh, so you are helping keep me um, in the in the green, so to speak. And I think that as as the we head into winter, it really depends on what my personal travel schedule looks like. I, I think that um, I'm considering uh, taking my winter somewhere in, in France or Germany. Uh, mm, last lovely. winter, yeah, last winter we were in the Alps and, and had a great time. So I'm thinking about doing that again. And if I'm not, then uh, I may look to uh, try to see what I can do testing myself against uh, some of the better wrestlers up and around the mid-Atlantic, up into uh, New York and, and possibly New England as well. Well, excellent. We will look forward to that. Uh, thank you so much for being on. It has, again, has been my, my absolute pleasure to have you on. And I, I rarely say this to other people. I appreciate your time as well, David. Thank you. And that's all for Hit My Music. We will see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Hit My Music is a proud member of the soon-to-be-named network. You can find a variety of podcasts at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, including add-outs with wrestling, we need wrestling, long box heroes, and more. You can follow the show at Hit My Music Pod on Twitter, and you can email the show at hitmymusicpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing to my Patreon at patreon.com slash jinglemeister. The theme song for Hit My Music is Contract Killer by me, the Jinglemeister. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.